welcome to The V-Hive, a platform focused on women's intimate health. With weekly episodes from the field's top practitioners, we discuss all of the things you've always thought about but never wanted to talk about. On this podcast, we are making the highest quality information on the most beloved part of your body accessible, understandable, and implementable. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck, and I started this platform as a result of my own experience with chronic pelvic pain. Throughout the years I spent healing my body, I became overwhelmingly interested and passionate about these topics and have made it my mission to create awareness and education on the complexities of the female body. I want to quickly thank Good Clean Love for sponsoring this week's episode. They are revolutionizing the sexual health and feminine hygiene product industry. I use their products religiously so I can confidently say from my own experience that they are incredible and have really changed my life and I don't say that often about many products. So their mission is to help women enhance their sexual pleasure and improve their reproductive health without using toxic substances such as petrochemicals, parabens, and hormones, which unfortunately are found in most personal lubricants and feminine hygiene products. In formulating their products, they worked with scientists from Johns Hopkins University to develop Biomatch, a revolutionary formula in their feminine hygiene and vaginal care products, which matches optimal vaginal pH and salt balance levels. This is a crucial element for women in maintaining vaginal health and a healthy pH. Last but not least, they are the only organic feminine care and intimacy product company to use green plastics made of recyclable sugar cane. So not only are they good for our bodies, but they are also good for the environment. They are eco-friendly and that's obviously something that's super important. So these products are amazing. I cannot recommend them enough. Check out their website, www.goodcleanlove.com. And you can use the code HANA10, that's H-A-N-N-A-H-10 at checkout to receive 10% off your first order. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to tell all of my beloved listeners how they can support the podcast and also become a member of the VHive. So if you are interested in receiving access to monthly bonus content, which includes a bonus episode, healthy recipes, PDFs with the best pieces of advice from that month's guests, go to patreon.com, www.patreon.com backslash the VHive. You can become a member there and receive access to exclusive bonus content straight to your inbox at the end of every month. And you are helping the VHive to continue to produce this much needed content. So go check it out. Let me know if you have any questions and... Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I'm here today with my good friend Tatiana, who is the founder of Bedside, which is a contemporary resource for purpose and pleasure-driven sex. Thank you for being here. 
Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, and I feel like we've come full circle because so I was on Tatiana's podcast a few weeks ago and then she reminded me when we were doing the podcast for hers that I guess I had like told you like years ago like you need to start a podcast yeah right after I did yes you and then you actually started it and now you have this really amazing podcast and I'm really excited for everyone to hear like what what it is and what you're doing thank you Yeah. yeah no you we were at dinner together and I was just kind of working out I think bedside was still an editorial series um through another media platform and i was really wanting to launch it on my own and you you were like this has to be a podcast i was like really (laughs) because i i was just like if i i'm not technology like savvy so i was just like if i can if i figured out how to start a podcast like you could 100 percent do it like you have great information great content like why not (laughs) and so you actually it came to life and it's really cool here it is here it is so okay now we're here i'm so glad that you came and i'm very excited for everyone to hear about what you do and how you got into this space and yeah so tell us more about what bedside is and how you started it yeah so i'm tatiana Um, I am the founder of Bedside, which is a resource for contemporary and pleasure-oriented sex education. And so right now, Bedside is a podcast series, um, and we just wrapped up season one. I'm actually in the works of season two, just recording, but it's really where I get to talk to experts and just people and innovators and creators in the field of sex to explain it in a fresh way. So the way that I got to the idea of wanting to really do this and getting passionate about it honestly started super like there are a lot of different levels and I can kind of like explain and but it almost feels like I was really destined to do this work. I'm not I'm sure you feel the same way. Well I agree with you that you were because you're so good at what you do thank you yeah Yeah. so well the so when I kind of look back to like my teenage hood it was such and I I think a lot of people have this probably a similar um, feeling around this but it, it was such a tender time for me and it was so pivotal and I loved being a teenager just as much as I hated being a teenager and I think that um like for me like having crushes and and falling in love with people and dealing with heartbreak it was so um it just was so impactful and i remember being that age and wishing that i had more mentors and i had people who would really talk about these things and it was great because so i i come from a really european household Mm -hmm. um so my dialogue around sex is super was super open and it right. still is um which that was I'm, the same with, with me yeah i'm so thankful for I, that i and feel like that is probably a huge reason also why we are now so comfortable talking about these <laughs> topics i'm like tell me more yeah. it's funny i'm sure you feel like people probably are always asking you these questions yeah and, totally like, they feel comfortable coming to you and i actually didn't put two and two together that like i grew up in a very open household i didn't even realize like consciously that that was probably one of the reasons why i'm such an open person yeah but it of course has a large part in in that yeah no definitely okay so keep going yeah 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 and so um i think that it was like 
I've always kept diaries. I've always been mm. like a writer. That's how I like I express how I'm feeling. That's how I work through a lot of just like things going on. And like that time, I just remember being so so pivotal for me and like even like I go back and I remember always like reading my diaries and like what I was thinking and feeling and wishing that I had access to like more information about the stuff I was going through because what I realized then going to college that was like my like biggest turning point where I was like we are we don't know how to talk about sex Mm -hmm. I ended up going to I think my freshman year it was labeled the number one party school um, in the country, and Wait, it was where we, did you went Syracuse. to Syracuse. Yeah, yep. did you transfer? You stayed there. No, I, yeah, I yeah, went yeah. there all four years. Right. Yeah, and um, it was an incredible college experience. Um, but it also with that culture mm-hmm. comes just people kind of don't know how to interact with one another, especially in like a intimate setting Mm -hmm. and I there were just so many circumstances where I'd come home late from at night from going out um and maybe a friend would be crying on the couch because she had like a horrible experience and it was just time and time again that there were repeated instances chronic instances and I think that like this is something that like isn't just for the college that I went to a lot Mm -hmm. of people deal with rape culture and assault culture in college totally. um and i was like why don't we know how to deal with this especially like institutionally like why why don't we even like have protocol for this like yeah. people weren't even taken seriously we'd have instances i mean like i got chills thinking about it i have the there's chills this, hearing there's about just, it. like one time that and i won't go into the story because it's not my story to share but um like we should have gone to like the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Like, I always think I'm like, this would be the front page cover story. It's, crazy. it's still something that, like, I hope to eventually uncover in the bedside podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but t- t- for sake of not rambling on too long here, um, what I kind of observed was like, wow, we have two ways that we talk about sex. There's this hyperclinical narrative that's like, we grown up with, it's very like, go to the doctor, get your things done, get everything checked out. Um, and then this super hypersexual narrative, which is like the porn media, um, like Playboy movies, and just like this ultra sexualized way of existing. And I was like, why is there no in between mm-hmm. here? And like, you know, the sexual experiences at college, like people are mimicking porn media, um, but people don't even know how to take care of themselves fundamentally. And I was like, where's the in between? So, um, yeah, that's kind it's of... It's so true. <laughs> like, when you break it down like that, yeah, it's so true. It's crazy. And... and Like, where is the middle ground between, that? like, doctors and porn? Exactly. Uh-huh. And, like, there's... there and, and then there's kind of... Like, that shows, like, this open and closed door view, too. Like, the closed door is what's happening, like, behind your screen, what you're looking at to, like, get turned on. And then the open door is like, well, we can only talk about it in this one very clinical context. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And we can't cross that line or else, I don't know, you'll be slut shamed. Yeah. And what's <laughs> so interesting to me, I was just actually doing research on this um, the past few weeks. I was collecting statistics for my podcast and just like some research that I was doing. And I came across all this research about the percentage of women that aren't even comfortable talking to their doctors about the problems that they have specifically like women's intimate health and sexual health issues 
And the guest that I had on my podcast a few weeks ago, she was talking about the same thing. She's like, I help women break through shame so that they can communicate with their doctors in the ways that they need to. Yes. And it's like so interesting because to your point, there's this outlet of like porn and that whole world where you feel, I guess, more comfortable and no one knows what's going on. It's like behind the doors. And then when you're in the office or you're with in a serious relationship, we don't have the knowledge to actually discuss what is going on in our bodies. Yes, let alone the language. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, I think I remember looking up similar s- statistics the other week and uh-huh. seeing that women aren't even comfortable saying vagina to their doctor. That's so crazy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> We're That's just trying to... And there's so much shame, like, when it comes to, like, you know, something's wrong and you need a di- you You know you need to go to the doctor and get diagnosed, but, like, you don't even have the language or comfortability mm-hmm. to go around it. It's insane. So tell us more about the podcast and kind of how you created it and the guests, because you have really amazing guests on. So what what type of guests you have on, like, what you're talking about more specifically yeah yeah yeah. so I think that I I get excited because I try not to put too many boundaries around like who who I who I speak to but I think the absolute main objective is to talk about how we can be having better sex better pleasure holistically um and that doesn't mean and and I'm also not here telling people that they need to be having sex or a certain type of Mm -hmm. sex um i think the more of the message around bedside is that we need to be tapping into our pleasure more and our joy more and whatever that means to you is however you want to execute that if you want to be having sex great be having sex but i have friends who are celibate friends who don't feel like doing that people i know who you know there's so many people who don't care for Mm -hmm. that they don't believe in it and it's not part of their life and so um, it's just understanding that that is an intentional choice and really being able to understand like what that pleasure is to them. So mm-hmm. anyways, the podcast, I really just get to speak to educators and creators. I love speaking to people in the sex tech space too. Um, people who are creating new tools and services that just... Which is so interesting. Yeah, it's so great. And it's this movement that's just really exploding. Um, and it, I think, really like you probably can see like this exponential growth post 2016 when I think that everyone just was like, wow, we need to take control of this narrative. It is really interesting. And I think about, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think about that a lot because I'm like, when did this shift in, in this kind of space, like begin? I feel like it began around when I started the podcast two years ago, but I'm like, is that just because that's when I started? Like, is that, you know, is that your is that own my own thinking? context of like, yeah. or was this some, like a world that existed way before or was it kind of around the time? But it's interesting that you just said like about 2016. Yeah. Around four years ago, which I think was kind of like essentially the time when these a, conversations started to. It was a big turning. Yeah. I, so Why do you we, think that year? Well, so that was the election cycle. Okay. Um, and I also, knew you would have a good answer to that. <laughs> I believe that it also was a big post Me Too yeah. era, um, and that's what hit home for me specifically. Mm-hmm. So I graduated college. 
I think right before Me Too really broke out, mm-hmm. you did as well. Yeah. Um, and then it then all of all of that got into the media and I was able to really quickly correlate my own personal experiences to what was actually happening outside of school. And that's when I realized like this isn't just a university thing. This is happening in the workplace. This is happening um, in the everyday and we just don't know how to communicate. I remember this is like crazy. This is so funny, but I went to a cocktail party that holiday season and I was chatting with a couple people who owned some companies and they're were chatting about me too and they're you know they're asking me because I'm young and like they wanted they want the scoop on it and they're like oh so do we now just have to like close our doors can can no woman come in my office I'm like you're missing the point like you don't just have to like close your door right. you have to talk about it right you have to just acknowledge it and I think people don't know how to oh this is what got like men were saying yeah guys okay, were okay, coming up to it. me yeah just so confused and it was like my dad's friends <laughs> like what's going on um That's I'm like no you don't need to keep your door like closed closed yeah we're not trying to like put a divide yeah. we're just trying to yeah mm-hmm. so that's interesting. So yeah, I think that definitely that time was was really pivotal mm-hmm. for especially women to put their foot down and say, "Wow, like we we really need to say here um and we need to we need some change." Yeah. And so I want to know a little bit about maybe some of like the most interesting things that you've learned throughout having your podcast and from the guests that have come on your podcast are there any stories or just memorable experiences or guests that have shared some interesting takeaways that might be helpful or you know yeah definitely provide some insight for everyone listening definitely um I love all my guests I know I love all your guests too and I want (laughs) like I really I wanted you to come on the podcast to just share all of this but I also really want everyone who listens to listen to your podcast because we both feel like they are, what's the right word? Um, like they're, it's very in sync kind of we're, what we're doing is in sync with each other's work. Yes. And like people I feel like who are interested in my podcast would be very interested in yours Definitely. and vice versa. And, and there's a lot of overlapping kind of material and content and stuff that could be learned from both. I think so. Yeah. It's so exciting. And like, I love the work that you do and Thank the people you. you interview as well. It's just like, I, I think that what is so crazy about being able to have a, a podcast mm-hmm. and a show like this, and I'll answer your question in a second, yeah, yeah. but is that um, you can really bring expert information to people's earbuds and 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 kind of skip that step of, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, it's super important, but this might be that thing that will help you get to the doctor or help you understand that you're not alone here um, in your experiences. But so one of my favorite podcasts is actually the first episode that is really, that's been released. Um, it's with Al Vernacchio. He's a um, sex educator based outside of Philadelphia. And he is so incredible the way that he teaches high schoolers. Um, he has a book called For Goodness Sex, and it's kind of, I call it my playbook. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what like got me super interested in this. Um, and just what he teaches 
kids and how to talk and communicate is so incredible and he lets people's like freak flags fly he's mm-hmm. just doesn't care like the classroom environment i sat in his class a couple times i remember when you did this it's, it's really cool yeah it's so exciting and you know his kids are laughing but they're also you see their gears turning um i think one of the most exciting moments was when i was in his classroom and this girl was asking about well why if I go to the pharmacy are there like douching products and like like products that are like I'm to clean my vagina like mm-hmm. am I supposed to be doing this and he was like well let me tell you something those products are actually not really made for your best intention mm-hmm. like we shouldn't be douching and the the way that products are sold especially to women is just so that like someone on the other side can make profit off mm-hmm. of some horrible messaging about yeah your appearance or your body parts and and like especially women have been given this narrative for so long that like they're not good enough um and that something's wrong and like products are sold to sold to us on that um behalf and so yeah that's kind of was like one of my favorite episodes and watching this girl in real life just every like all those gears turn and her just kind of be like oh my goodness I never thought of my purchasing experience to be like that is so exciting and just to bring those ideas to people is everything I could ever ask for Mm -hmm. um similarly I interviewed Mika Hollander um from Sustain Products she works on um bringing tampons and period products that are 100% sustainable. Um, She uses 100% organic cotton and there's a huge difference between using like different cottons in your vagina Um, and she just is completely disrupting the way that we should be shopping for period products. So I love speaking to all these people because um, it not only helps my like self-care and sexual wellness routine but I know that it's helping everyone else. Uh, and and mm-hmm. another quick note here too is that what I love so much and the objective of Bedside really here is to be able to bring stories and experiences that people can pick and choose from. That's the main point. I, I think we learn best from other people's stories. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I felt like I missed growing up when I go back to that story about my childhood and my teenagehood. I didn't have people saying, you you know, questioning products or, or um you know explaining to me their own routines so to me it was very one way to have sex and Mm -hmm. and how to engage with it and how to protect myself and that's just not the not the not the answer here like there aren't answers to this there are just options and I think we pick and choose from the best what Uh makes sense for us and the more I hear you talk about bedside the more similar I think our two our both of our podcasts are because it's essentially the same thing with this podcast is a lot of women come on and share their stories and exactly as you said if that story resonates with someone great if it doesn't that's okay but it's really just to make other women feel comfortable learn from other people's stories know that they're not alone provide education insight support all of the same stuff that you're doing and ultimately help them to know that like there are ways to get through this, to figure out what they're going through, and to just learn from from other people's voices. Right, and understand that they're not alone. Right. I think we did, you came on my um, 
uh, my shoot this oh, spring yeah. and uh-huh. I chatted with you about yeah, yeah. just what you do. And someone who was also like that was being crazy. interviewed heard your story and was like, oh my goodness, my girlfriend deals with this. And um, now, you know, he messaged me the other week and was like, she found out she was vulvodynia. Thank you so much. Oh, I didn't. There was another woman there who had. Yes, vaginismus. Yeah. That was crazy. I didn't know if I wasn't supposed to, but she was on camera. So. She was on camera. Yeah. It's live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't know someone else said, reached out. But I mean, it's so, all of these things are so common. And really, the only reason that no one knows about it is because no one talks about it. I but. mean, it sucks. I'm yeah. literally thinking to like the videos I watched. So I was fortunate enough to have some type of sex ed. Right. But like, I watched these 1980s birthing videos and like it was all these like fear tactics around sex. Like, I did not get a cool way to learn about yeah. sex. That's all I want to do is create like an insanely, amazingly branded experience mm-hmm. that like you are going to learn about sex in like the best way. You're going to feel super comfortable like it's gonna feel like it resonates because I saw these like you know like all these kids from the like 80s and 90s wearing like everyone was in one different like colored outfit like a guy in a blue outfit a girl in a yellow outfit you know what I mean it felt like so like PBS meets I don't know that's some sort of like dare video but another it just reminds me another reason that I want to say why what you're doing is so amazing is because I don't know if I ever told you this but so this is a kind of a funny story, but my mom was a, she's always been very interested. Like she's always been involved in, in women's health and sex ed. So she was a, a volunteer for Planned Parenthood, um, like throughout my whole childhood at different schools in Westchester, high schools. And growing up in our garage, we would have stacks of books, like sex ed books. And one day, like about a year ago, my mom, my sister said to my mom, she was like, I know that you're you you've you've always been in this field and you've always it was all volunteer work but she just liked she really liked doing it. But my mom was like my sister said to be honest mom the sex ed that you teach really isn't good. <laughs> like something like that. She was like essentially because it's not it was just the basics of sex ed like how to put a condom on like okay those things we were taught we know but that's not that has nothing to do with pleasure and consent and how everyone's body is so different and like the pleasure gap and all of these new conversations that are finally being spoken about but even like and I'm this Planned Parenthood's an amazing organization but it's just interesting how all of the material is so outdated so outdated and my sister is super progressive and she gets all of this stuff and it was funny when she said it to my mom and my mom like didn't really know what to say she was like I think she was like yeah that's a good point (laughs) you know that that's true but it's something that I think through what you're doing is like the perfect way to talk about it and essentially through other women's stories it helps all of us learn yes absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah no I couldn't agree yeah. more. It's just, that yeah, was my the, tangent the information the is just, it's hysterical. But also, yeah. like, that's the reason why we go to Google so much, right. you know? And I think... And Google doesn't help. Yeah, it does. But do- we think it will. <laughs> I mean, like, or you'll get really deep on some sort of, like, Tumblr was my savior. Yeah. Um, I remember I that was so Tumblr. important for yeah. me. It, 
in my coming of age I was like oh okay so this is like you know they're like gift porn and like I'd be like oh okay so like sex can kind of look like this too like it doesn't need to be so like hardcore porn um and you know it and I think that we're just missing this like vital information of and we're really taught that sex is one way and we put virginity on a pedestal it's such a social construct Mm -hmm. and just to really like that information is what's really being taught and reinforced we should be changing the conversation I could not agree more and so something else I wanted to ask you was just throughout your experience working in this space and being someone who is such an advocate for women's sexual health how can if you had to kind of give one piece of advice for other women listening as to how they can not only empower themselves to be more open about their sexual health and and wants and needs but also how we can help empower other women to do the same thing what what would you say on that yeah no that's a really great question um so and really to just be more comfortable and confident with our sexuality and our bodies and having these conversations like how can we be better at that definitely so i don't know if i feel like it's specifically just for women yeah although i know that like i actually completely agree with you and i was about to say that earlier i forgot oh i was about to say that like your podcast is some my question earlier that I just forgot, how can we get men to listen to like your podcast and to listen to these resources where the conversations are actually being had in a real way? Yeah, yeah. So I think that another thing that I noticed while I've been building Bedside mm-hmm. and like the intention behind it is that what's amazing is the amount of information and resources that are coming out specifically for women. It's so necessary yeah um but i've seen kind of like this very like pink washed like aesthetic that's kind of come through and it feels so for women and we can't forget about men um and we can't forget about the people maybe like non-binary individuals who feel like they don't resonate with like a bright pink florally Mm -hmm. tampon and so there's so much space to really be like expanding the conversation um and you know even in like in interviewing making sure that the content doesn't just feel so um pink and girly right like maybe that it just needs to be more centered for men or um i'm sorry not men that's not a good way of saying it um that the content needs to be just more generalized because we need to be speaking like generally about Mm -hmm. our health and well-being but to answer your question about um kind of like advice what was it advice for you know yeah advice as to how we can kind of feel more comfortable advocating for ourselves and talking about what we're feeling what we want what we need yeah 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 I think that just because you're so good at it (laughs) and you do this all the time I think that the best way that we can go about advocating for ourselves is kind of twofold so the first i think is just finding time to really educate yourself and get curious so that might be finding podcasts that work for you that might be googling that might be picking up books that are super intriguing and then i think 
aside from educating yourself, I think it's also just understanding, and this is something that I've been working really hard on. Right now on Bedside, we're doing a month-long pleasure practice, which is just understanding that we can find pleasure in the everyday. And so I am really passionate about teaching that pleasure doesn't need to be just this like one box intimate pleasure sort of scenario that it can be making yourself dinner it can be going for a walk it can be standing in the sun for five minutes because you're staring at a screen all day it can be taking a screen break going going to bed early moving your body whatever you want that to be like pleasure is so accessible and so i think besides educating yourself and getting curious understanding that like you fully have all the tools to your happiness and your well-being and it just takes a little bit more curiosity and then once you're able to tap into that and like find your own pleasure you can share that with other people Mm -hmm. and people get curious and they get excited about your energy and the way that you're you're fulfilling yourself and i think that's contagious i think that's such a good point an amazing point because it's something that i also think about a lot like why and you post about this on Instagram all the time now, and I, I see it, and it's so true because it's like our definition of pleasure is sexual pleasure, but why can't it include, you know, taking a run or reading a book or making something amazing going for dinner? Going to your acupuncturist. Going to, right. Like, and if you want to make it about sexual pleasure, all of those things will make you like a better, more grounded happier peaceful human and sexual pleasure will be better in turn yes you know yeah and it's kind of like it's the ground layer work like understanding your pleasure on like a really simple level is gonna be able to have you achieve it on like a higher more complex level because let's be real sometimes intimacy can be really complex right um it usually is it usually is um but in a really beautiful way and if you can understand that about yourself that like what more could you ask for Mm -hmm. And, and I found also that there was this time where, you know, as a kid, you're really tapped into your, like, unlimited joy. Mm-hmm. You are, like, free of any sort of, like, box, like, confinement. confinement. And, yeah. yeah. And then you kind of, I found that, like, when I went to college, that my joy and everything that like led me up to being like happy and content and full of pleasure suddenly switched Mm -hmm. so I was like drinking more and I would have alcohol like going out and I would like smoke with my friends before we did something fun and I was like I think it was once I graduated and I left that environment and you know actually started to do my career that I realized that that actually was not serving me in any way. Why was I putting my pleasure or suppressing my pleasure, um, changing my pleasure and putting it kind of under very specific circumstances? And so what has been so fun and I've really been intentionally doing it this past year is really understanding like what my authentic pleasure is, what brings me joy. And I look back to those activities that gave me such excitement as a kid. What I was so active, always doing intramural sports. I was always crafting, imagining, playing in the woods, like what what it was that I was doing that was lighting me up. I'm trying to tap back 
back into in my everyday. So like I've been I've been getting back into running. I like found a tennis league, like I'm playing tennis again. And so it's just really fun to be able to tap into like what gets me really excited, what gets my endorphins going, changes my brain chemistry because sometimes life can get so tough and complicated. Um, and we just need to lighten that up. Like, how can I reset those chemicals, get myself excited again about um, just like life? And I think that a lot of our, especially like New York City culture is very much around like, let's go out to eat, let's get a drink. Totally. Um, and, or like, let's grab a coffee. And I'm just, you know, there isn't a culture for being outside and mm -hmm. nature is like, that's my spirituality. Like movement is my, is like how I reset. And mm -hmm. so just finding more time. It's so to be true. authentic to that. So I remember exactly what I was going to say and why I'm so glad that you brought this point up about pleasure practice and not not making it just about a sexual practice, but kind of an everyday lifestyle thing is because I think that also a lot of women who listen to this podcast have some form of chronic pain and that can also make sex really complicated. And so I think being able to look outside of the box of pleasure, you know, look outside of it just as just being something that's a sexual, like pleasure and sex. Pleasure can be doing all of those things that, that we just talked about, taking a run, cooking, hanging out with a friend, watching a movie, reading a book, whatever it is, playing tennis, you yeah. know, whatever it is that makes you happy can be a form of pleasure. And yes, sexual pleasure is important to a lot of people too. And it's not to say that like, that's not important. It is just as important if it's important to you, but finding all of these other things that you can do that can bring you happiness, that can bring pleasure into your life are so important as well. And like, let's put emphasis on that. Yes. And look at that as a form of pleasure because just to give everyone context, Tot posts on her Instagram every day, like pleasure, well, for the past month you've been doing it, pleasure practice day, 12 and it's you taking a run or doing something that makes you feel good yes and it's like it's amazing because you're just trying to make a point that these are all forms of pleasure yes and i think that like we pu we've put a lot of pressure on pleasure itself totally like, there's a ton of ton of that you know whether you're dealing with chronic pain whether you're dealing with trying to be intimate more with your partner with mm -hmm. yourself um, and I always go back to the idea of like what's the easiest point of entry to pleasure mm -hmm. like we need to make this as bite-sized as possible and and you know asking yourself in the moment like what do I need that's gonna bring joy to this day that's gonna bring happiness and pleasure to my life and it's funny while doing this month-long practice like I've hit a lot of different roadblocks but I've also found myself asking myself every day what am I going to do today for myself right what is that thing that I'm really That's looking really forward cool. to because you're like retraining your brain I'm to, training to my brain ask yourself that yes yeah. and like this is like goes back to the science of like neuroplasticity mm -hmm. and like we can rewire our brains any way that we want to and we can completely change like our habits and practices to be really healthy and exciting ones that like like how how awesome is it that I think every day what's one thing that I really want to do for myself today totally um so yeah easiest point of entry is just so important um and that sometimes leads to other like bigger steps mm -hmm. that maybe are like bigger points of pleasure you want to achieve like for me for example um my partner and I sometimes find 
find it hard to get time to be intimate because mm-hmm. we're both working. We both have our like passion projects, startups. We w- try to work out every single day, cook home cooked meals. Like by the time that's You've all done, done there's, yeah. we are exhausted. So um, sometimes it can be really hard to find time for intimacy. But the way that I found it really easy to access like more bigger things like sex and stuff is being able to actually like engage in some other pleasurable things with my partner that have nothing to do with sex Mm -hmm. so we started going on runs together we'll run with one another we'll catch up on our day like um and we'll get moving and that is such like the science says how much of a bonding activity that is and you know then that makes you know that can bring us to the next level of wanting to be intimate and it's just breaking down these barriers step by step that leads us to like all of all forms of pleasure that's a really good point as well because you know you're 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 so smart (laughs) you're no but it's true and this is all so helpful and such great information because doing all of these things are so important and they help to increase intimacy increase like the the connection between and like after you've been dating someone for a period of time you need to figure out ways to do these things to keep your relationship fresh Fresh. and exciting yeah yeah no absolutely but no one i don't i think you're one of the few people at least that i've spoken with that look at it that like have have this perspective yeah which is a really great one yeah it's fun and like we we so we'll like bond over running we've both gotten really into like my partner's like really into eating super healthy and like what's good for your gut mm-hmm. and so just making our bodies feel good is I love gonna Connor. I, he's great, so great. Yeah. he's like <laughs> he's like amazing. you should have this all natural bee pollen from brooklyn i'm like That's okay so i know he's so great though and and i really love bee pollens are like my mom's like obsessed with bee yeah pollen. bee pollen is good for you it's one of those superfoods but <laughs> but you know he's dealt with a gluten intolerance i have a soy intolerance if we get near those foods we feel like shit like why would i ever want to have sex Mm -hmm. after like if i'm not feeling good right and so um yeah just getting like really excited about like feeling good Mm -hmm. and it's been such a choice um and it's been recreating a narrative around what what that means to me so i think that like sometimes people feel like they want to achieve things like their pleasure and accessibility to it but they're putting stories in their head that are either like media centric like get skinny so you can look like a supermodel or like you know like lose weight so you can like look good and and you know what whatever these stories are and i think that we need to redefine it for ourselves and what it means for us like i eat the way i eat because i feel feel good good. exactly like i just want to you know because when i don't i feel horrible and like i move my body because because i get i feel good i connect to my partner i it's how i unwind my brain um otherwise it would go all night (laughs) so (laughs) no yeah it's very true it's coming up with kind of those own personal mantras around pleasure that will keep you so excited about Mm -hmm. it. Something else that I really wanted you to talk about is we both are very open people. We both are comfortable with sharing stories and talking about details no one else will get into. (laughs) And just having these conversations. But 
I want to know from, and I talk about this a lot, you know, about myself, but I want to know from from your story and your life how you came to a place where you were so comfortable and became so open talking about having these conversations, talking about these things. And I know you said you grew up in, in a household that really helped to enable this, but I think that, you know, whoever's listening could probably learn from the way you became comfortable with this because at the end of the day, if we all can become a little bit more comfortable talking about our bodies, then so much progress will be made. Oh my God, if we all could talk about our bodies. I know. The way, (laughs) oh my gosh, that would really just be so crazy. Yeah, it would be crazy. (laughs) But so are there, is there anything that's notable that you kind of off the top of your head that allowed you to get to such... Yeah, Such a I think great that, and open place. I mean, I can't help but like give so much credit to the adults that were in my life growing up. Um, I was given the permission to just like be who I was, uh, which is, I think, anything you could ever ask for. Um, and I was just like given like really good basic tools Mm -hmm. that allowed me to like lead a healthy lifestyle so first and foremost i think well both my parents are in wellness the Mm -hmm. wellness industry my dad is a doctor my mom uh is a dietitian and works in culinary so it kind of makes sense that i like ended up in this like hybrid um of the two of them amongst like my own passions um so it just it was something that i just grew up with so heavily like paying attention to like getting outside and moving and eating well was just ingrained into my lifestyle Um, and the openness of being able to talk about sex was just so valuable I knew that I could go to my parents with anything and everything not that I did though I kind of still had that underlying embarrassment (laughs) that I think a lot of kids and teenagers do like they don't want to talk about those things Um, but yeah, I just, I I think, like, probably that would be one of the most mm-hmm. significant things was just, like, who I was surrounded by was really important. I think also I've always just been someone who's questioned the, like, the systems around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been such a rule breaker. Yeah. And it's really led me to some, like, get, I would, like, we'd get in trouble a lot as a kid. Right. Um, but like especially by like teachers and stuff because I'd be questioning things so frequently but I've just always looked at things with a little bit of a critical eye and been like why aren't why isn't it like this and like really posed those questions so it was a lot of curiosity um that got me and I feel like curiosity is a huge one because if we all we all have curiosities so if we just can use those curiosities to have conversations like if we're curious about something, odds are there's a lot of other people curious about the same thing. I mean, just look at your Google search history. It's like so funny. Everyone like asks everything, but you would never, like you never want to show it to people. Right. But um, But it's all there, clearly. It's all there. (laughs) Um, But I think another thing that I want to point out is Mm -hmm. that like, I also had a lot of um, frustration. Mm -hmm. And I think like, I'm an innate problem solver. Like, I, if something's wrong, I'm like, okay, how can we fix this? Right. What are all the ways we can go about this? What's our best solution? And I'm going to tell everyone. About and I'm going to tell everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to yell and scream yeah. about it until it's like solved. <laughs> and so, 
and so uh, there were a ton of frustrations i think like this is such a like crazy story but so i i it was sometime in college that a neighbor of mine there was a rumor going around that and i found out about this because my very best friend from childhood lived across the street from this other neighbor and her mom found out and told my best friend um and said there's a rumor going around about tatiana like was she like kind of promiscuous in high school like this neighbor so-and-so has been going around saying this and my friend my best friend was like what this is so crazy absolutely not like she just was like any other teenager and I couldn't believe this story and this was told to me maybe like last year I was like first off why are you just randomly talking about me second like there's so this, such this narrative of like slut shaming I was no different than any other t- curious yeah. teenager um and I think that like that like instances like that were so infuriating to me that I'm just out here trying to completely change the way we talk about it. This is a question I have kind of more for personal reasons, but I think it is still an interesting question for everyone listening and an interesting question to ask. So since we're essentially the same age and we started, you know, doing this work around the same time, Um, Also, I feel like we're surrounded by a lot of friends and and a lot of the people that we know are, you know, work more in the mainstream corporate kind of world. Yes. And I wanted to ask you, this is something that I just think about a lot, is like people's reactions and society's reactions, whether it's your close friends or family or people that you don't even know so well like what is their kind of like feedback whether it's great or whether it's not great um in regards to like the work you're doing and just being in this space like what has been the reaction from from people you know yeah no that's a good question um i think that for the most part it's been like a pretty positive like feedback loop but um I'm thinking of like all all sort of different walks of life, mm-hmm. you know, where like some people that I've interviewed are so excited about the work I'm doing because it's been their body of work right. their entire lives and they're like, thank you for passing this on and continuing to do this, this sort of, um, I guess, like activism and education. Um, but I do find myself speaking with certain people and changing the wording and the way that I um, explain what I do. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if I'm talking to someone's like grandma. Right. I'll kind of say like, "Oh, like I, I'm in education." Yeah. <laughs> no, I won't even say sex, yeah. right? Um, That's funny. Yeah. And and but it's an interesting. It's my point though is it's really interesting to navigate the language that I use around it, and it's it's because there's this inherent shame around it still. Like it hasn't been completely debunked. So even if I'm talking to like. I'm I'm trying to chat with investors right now and I kind of have to approach that in a in a way that's sellable, mm-hmm. right? Like and at the end of the day, although I'm super excited to expand bedside and I cannot wait for what's in store, it's also interesting to to have to change the language for certain people. So it's like bite-sized for their industry and they understand what I'm saying right. um, and it's meaningful because cuz right now what feels so 
um, special and like heartwarming to me isn't going to be something that like an investor will understand. So I'll have to change that language. Just, you know, the mission will always be the same. But for them, I just have to change the language. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But it makes me happy to hear that a lot of people in your life do respond positively. And I think that also, as we've talked about a bunch today, is that we are entering into a more progressive time mm-hmm. where people are more open to these conversations and accepting the fact that they are curious about these things and want to learn more. And that's just what's going on. So yeah. it's, yeah. you know, it's great. What we're doing is great, really. Yeah. And I, and, and, and look, I, I think someone said to me, which I thought was it kind of really opened my Mm. eyes. They were like, if you're not behind all these messages and really mean it, especially as a larger conglomerate Mm. company, you will sink. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be, you have to To really be be with the times here. Um, Because people are calling people out. Like it's, it's becoming an even more transparent world. Like people, like we, you care it's it's so interesting i come from like a branding Mm -hmm. um design background so it's really interesting to see that like the way that we care about brands these days is the stories that they're they're the um their mission and and you know we don't go to like a one-stop shop anymore Mm -hmm. to get everything or buy product or listen to buy books and take in media we're we're curating every aspect of our lives Mm -hmm. whether it's we buy a glossier bomb.com or we're listening to the v-hive and you know it's it's we're really curating our missions here and it it may it compromises like who we are and Mm -hmm. so um, I think that is just like if you're not behind that and if it's just completely <laughs> someone said to me the other day they're like if you want what you're doing to really grow and if it were to turn into something else or bigger like would you ever not be the host of like not do the podcasts and have someone else do that and you could you know do x y and z and I just was like there is literally no way that I would like this is the one part of all of this that I need to be doing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I need to be the one having these conversations. That's what I like doing. Like, I know. That's the most rewarding for me. And especially, you know, with you and I, like, we're so passionate about this. Like, that's the part that we love. Mm-hmm. And I think that people want to hear us talking about it because we have this amazing passion and interest and experience that if we were to kind of hand that over to someone else, it wouldn't translate. It wouldn't translate exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting, and I, I what you're doing is amazing. Thank so you. So thank you for doing all of it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any resources that you have found to be useful, helpful, important throughout this time that you want to share? I know you mentioned um, the first guest you had on your podcast. What was his name again? And oh, Al Vernacchio. Yeah. Um, and his book is For Goodness Sex. I'm gonna link that. Yeah, it's so great. Um, but yeah, I think that resources and, um, access to services Mm -hmm. are kind of just starting to come up. Yeah. Um, and it's really just exciting to see it all grow, but definitely come to the Bedside Podcast. I know. So where can everyone follow you, listen to the Bedside? Yeah. Uh, contact you if they want to reach out. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you can find us on anywhere podcasts are found we're the bedside podcast and you can 
follow us on Instagram at the bedside and you can find us online at thebedside.co. And do you have an email if anyone wants to reach um, out? I think it's linked on my Instagram. I think it might be contact at thebedside.co. Let me confirm. Okay. We don't have to Let me confirm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I literally sing everything. Uh, contact at thebedside.co. Amazing. So if anyone has any questions for Tot, email her. Listen to The Bedside. It's amazing. And I really, I was so happy to have you here today because I really think that so many people will listen to your podcast and just learn a lot from what you're doing. Yay! Um, <laughs> so thank you again for being here. I really appreciate it. This was so fun. Thank I want you. to record more with you. I know. I feel like we could <laughs> go on for hours. I have to be really, I'm trying to be really diligent now about time time yeah Yeah. because i could go on with so many people for so long i know i know it's hard to keep it to keep it to a keep it to a concise time frame yeah um but no this was such a blast amazing thank you i'm so excited for your show and all the seasons i'm excited for for everything you're doing (laughs) um i hope that everyone listening really enjoyed this and if you have any questions for us at the beehive you can send an email to info at the beehive.com We always love hearing from you and are open to any feedback, comments, questions, anything that you have to say, please reach out. And that's a wrap. This podcast is for education purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other healthcare professional services, including the giving of medical advice. During the episodes, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should seek the assistance of their healthcare provider for any concerns or questions they have.